Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We do this every day. I'm Pat Mulroy, the supervisor of the World of Learning Institute, and the World of Learning Institute provides virtual or language instruction and other courses like calculus, which CCA uses, and chemistry, um, when it's difficult for a school or district to find a teacher. We're here to talk to you about what we do every day that makes virtual le learning authentic, relevant, and engaging. And you can contact me at P Mulroy, that's P-M-U-L-R-O-Y, at worldoflearninginstitute.com for more information. And I'm very excited because today I have Christina Jackson. Uh, she's the manager of special and elective programs at CCA. And CCA has partnered with us at the World of Learning uh, for a long time, I'd say probably about five years now, um, or coming up on it anyway, for world languages and calculus, like I said. So today we're going to talk about our common virtual roots and how we help learners who might not otherwise um, have a world language experience or some of those courses. So let's get started. Christina, how about you tell us about yourself, a little bit about your educational background, your family, um, and why you love what you do. Thanks for having me on here. Um, so I've been at CCA for about 12 years now. Um, it's, it's been a crazy ride. I started teaching math um, at the high school level, did a little bit of course design in there, and then moved into instructional coaching, uh, something that I wasn't as familiar with, um, especially because at that point then I was working with English and social studies teachers. Um, definitely not the math background that I had prepared for. And at that point, I realized the subject content area was just kind of a label and that I could work with teachers of any kind. So things shifted around a little bit after about a year of doing that and a position opened up to work with our special and elective programming. And so I moved into that because in this area, I get to do courses that are not the norm, um, working with content designers that work with STEM, um, medical careers, uh, industrial careers, all sorts of different career opportunities, uh, world languages, uh, art, music, PE, kind of all those creative pieces. So I don't feel as tied down to as a textbook as I had for, for many years before that. So I kind of feel like it's a creative opportunity every day. Um, but in doing this, I also work with our vendor programs, um, like World of Learning, because we just can't offer everything that our kids should have exposure to or experience to. So you guys have been great in giving us some languages uh, well beyond our means um, and giving students an opportunity kind of to continue that language learning um, as they move forward. So that has been really great to form those relationships outside, see what other people are doing. Um, and kind of connect with other like-minded individuals that, that want to support the kids and their learning as well. Um, I myself am still a student. I'm working on my ed specialist degree in curriculum and instruction. Uh, I figured if I'm working in curriculum, I should be well-informed in that as well. So in the evenings, you can catch me uh, typing away on a paper or a discussion post. Um, and then outside of that, I've got two almost 12 year old lab pit mixes, which Ooh. in their old age have, have become quite the snugglers. Uh -huh. um, so they're always up for a calm evening. 
unlike my six-year-old son who does not stop moving. Um, he, <laughs> he plays hockey. Um, and so we're constantly driving to all ends of the state so that he can get some ice time and play around with his buddies. If he's not on the ice, he's in our driveway rollerblading and uh, practicing his stick handling. And I think his latest was that he wants to challenge Sidney Crosby to a skate off because he thinks he's faster. Ooh. So he's, he's a future Pittsburgh penguin if you ask him. Um, but uh, he, he thinks he's faster than Sid. So that's, a, that's his goal for the summer to, to get that message out there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. I love, I love the kids believe that everything's possible, you know? one of those things. Um, Lauren, maybe you want to just reintroduce yourself here. Um, sure. Christina, before you do that, though, Christina, where are you taking your um, your coursework? Uh, American College of Education. Nice. They have a nice all online program, so I can do it as it fits my schedule. That's awesome. Yeah. Lots more people are doing that these days, you know, just like us. Just like us. So, Lauren, yeah, tell us a little bit yeah. about you. Hi. Yeah, Lauren here. So thanks for having me, Pat. Um, I started teaching French with the World of Learning in 2019. Um, and then my second year of teaching, so the 2021 school year, I um, actually taught students from CCA. And so I got to work a little bit with Christina then. Um, but coming up on one year as a virtual learning specialist, I um, have gotten to work even more closely with Christina as you know, we I help support the um, variety of language teachers that we have. And working with the CCA students. Um, I loved having that experience teaching um, CCA because uh, I think that it helped me to um, just see, you know, how different schools work. Um, the CCA model to me, um, just kind of finding out more about how different educational institutions offer um, remote programs to students and um, who they can serve. Uh, thanks to that, uh, really opened up my eyes. Um, Personally, I totally understand about having kids that don't stop moving <laughs> because I have um, a 10 year old and a just turned eight year old newly minted yesterday. Happy birthday, um, Robert. Happy birthday, Robert. Mm -hmm. um, we had chocolate cake and um, that also makes them never stop moving. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, and um, we're going to have a fun summer. Um, got this camps lined up and ready for that. For that summer feeling. Um, I live in the Massachusetts area, area in the state of Massachusetts, Boston area, and the schools are still in session here, which is a little wild, um, totally different from my Pennsylvania upbringing. Um, but it's really cool to learn more about you, Christina, and the background that you have in math and STEM. And um, that's really cool. I know that we're always thinking about ways to connect, you know, how can we make language classes interact with STEM or cross-curricular? So that'd be really cool to get together sometime and talk about how we could even create some like new courses outside of these sort of traditional language classes. We definitely have a list of things that we would love to love to see happen with the ARCITS and can definitely collaborate a little bit more thinking languages for the medical profession. Yeah, um, so and high on my list. Languages kind of for that everyday communication piece. Yes. You know what else, Christina, we just saw, and I don't know if you have kids who are in that, you were talking about some of the industrial courses that you have, but I think one of the cool things we were, well, actually Lauren and Olivia were, I think, at a conference, right? Was yes. It IUP? It was and, the spring methodology. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what was that course they had in Spanish for construction management services? It was actually the medical professions. Yes. And um, I think there was also the 
the construction um, like safety too. and construction. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. IUP does um, a master's degree, or not a master's, but an undergraduate degree. And so that was really cool to go to IUP and see them having those programs integrated into their majors. You know, mm -hmm. so that'd be really kind of interesting if you have kids in those industrial who are looking to go to somewhere like IUP that's local, like, you know, give them a little like lift up with like, yeah, that certificate. My sister had to take a year of Spanish for um, occupational therapy. So since then, I have uh, had this passion for seeing it for the medical professions. I've talked to some EMTs as well. We're like, it's really hard to communicate with some people when you can't find out what's what their pain point is or anything like that so yeah. um and sign language um is a big one too just being able to kind of those initial communication pieces and I yeah. think that could easily be done in a quick language elective yeah mm -hmm. and our sign language program has it's it's kind of like one of our all hallmarks right now not we just started it but it's really helped us to um I think make our courses better because when you start seeing it through the lines of, you know, all those avenues of accessibility, like once you see one, it's like you can't unsee all the other ones that are out there and how I think um, as we're rebuilding courses, you know, in our course cycle, that accessibility has really bloomed and grown and I don't know, we like to make things better, but um, yeah, so back it makes to the partnership. It, yeah. it makes it a never ending cycle for sure. It does, and I think that's one of the things I love about working with you guys because I know you're in the same boat. I know we've worked at the I, at IU8. I know you guys have worked with Chris Davis as well, you know, in terms of some of the course building and course developing, professional development. So I feel like in a lot of ways, um, you know, we have that eye to that continuous improvement kind of cycle. And it's been really one of the fun things about having a partnership, like talking to Joanna and in the early days talking to Jeannie. Um, and just kind of thinking about, you know, what makes, what makes us, you know, an option that's good for kids. And it's, you know, not for everybody being online all the time isn't for everybody, but it is for some kids. And I think those connections, like, what are the stories? What are the things that make you know what you're doing is like the right thing? I think one that I really can resonate with this year we had a, a student who had taken Japanese a higher level of Japanese so they were familiar with the course they were familiar with expectations um, however they just fell really far behind in the the asynchronous work submitting anything turning work in um, and I got an email that said hey this this student fell behind um, but they've been coming to every single live session so they're there, they're attending, they're just not submitting, submitting the work in. Um, but we have a plan. And I didn't even, I hadn't even had to reach out. They're like, but we have a plan for them. Is this okay if we offer some additional time one-on-one -on -one with the student in, in a Zoom um, to give them a chance to do some oral completion, to get them caught up to check mastery? And if they can show mastery, you know, can we, can we use that? Um, and help them just overcome that hurdle of some of the overdue and built up work. So it's that, that flexibility piece um, with, you know, knowing the teachers are really looking out for the students and, and noticing, hey, I keep seeing them, but I'm not seeing anything come through on the other end. 
um, and then being creative on what what can be done. You know, that that belief in, oh, it's not just a lazy student. The student can do this. They just need they just need that piece given to them. Um, and they have the ability. And I think that belief goes a long way of the teacher saying, I think they can do this. I just think that they need a different different approach and that create the the time and not be afraid to put that in for the student was huge. So I think that's one of my favorite stories from this year. Um, it's definitely just that touching moment. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, and I know I heard that one and, you know, we've done a couple different recordings, but I think, um, you know, like also, it was also a Japanese that Lauren and I did early on recording and the one teacher who has like 70 or 80 kids coming to a live session you know, and in the past we hadn't had that. And she does this little message at the end where she tells the kids that if nobody's told them, they've loved them. She wants them to know that she loves them and she always will. And if they ever need anything, they can reach out to her. And, you know, it was kind of interesting to, you know, to know that you like people, I think, don't know that you can make those connections. And I think, Lauren, you talked about um, some particular situations, I think that you, I think you and Melissa both in French had had told some stories about definitely. kids like that. Yep, last year I think we had about maybe uh, definitely over a hundred students between you know the two of us. We split that that course load, um, and I had maybe about like twenty five to thirty students coming to my live sessions, and and um, you know that in general the students weren't turning their cameras on but i i learned that the chat was just a hub of activity it, it wasn't like that in my other online classes you know the students when they were when they're in that brick and mortar setting together and the students are interacting with you online um it wasn't the, the activity in the chat was not the same as it was for my cca classes so those students were in the chat so communicative in there um and they, even if they weren't turning their cameras on that was okay. They were communicating with me. Once I got my chat up onto a different screen, it was a game changer for me because I could just, you know, sometimes there's too many things going on in your screen. It's hard. But once I could, that was just like a running transcript for me on the side of like the, the undercurrent of my classroom, you know, like what their thoughts are, their reactions. Um, they would cheer each other on in the chat, which was just so adorable and so encouraging. You know, they would say like, way to go after somebody would, you know, try something or that was so great. And I just had a really great class culture um, in my CCA classes. And um, I just I just loved them. And I, I would have some students, you know, they maybe didn't want to turn their cameras on for their peers, but I had one student in particular, she would stay afterwards because I would always invite them, you know, when, when after I wrapped up the class to, if you have any questions, just stay back. And um, she would turn on her camera and show me her artwork and all the things she was working on and her different drawings and, um, you know, what she, she wants to go live in France someday. And this is her drawing of, you know, I, I just, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about that one example with the Japanese students that, there, there, there's a, there's a human behind the name on the screen, you know, and, and the name that of the student in your, you know, LMS who is, you know, submitting or not submitting work. And that human piece is, has to be the driving force, right? Like connecting with kids, um, making them feel welcome. Um, I think that that, that, that made such a difference for me and, um, and realizing that they want to connect and um, putting yourself out there and making sure that they know that your door is always open, your virtual door, um, different touch points. I think that that was, I realized how important that was when working with your students. 
We actually had um, a group of students this year that went to Ireland and Scotland on a school school affiliated trip. Um, and those kids had never met each other in person, but when they got there, they were all just chatting with each other, you know, making those connections. And I think a lot of that comes from that positivity that they see in those Zoom rooms where, you know, behind behind the name, you're getting cheered on by your peers or, you know, you're able to take some of those risks and build that up. Um, and a lot of them had been actually realized they were in classes together, like a few of them were in some of the Spanish classes together, I think, and some different things. So they they were able to make connections like, hey, did you go to this class? Um, and we're able to kind of recognize pieces there. But I think a lot of it does come back to that, you know, grabbing onto something that interests them or that is outside of school. And then once you build that trust, you're able to then work in that academic piece rather than just focus on the academics because you need to let them know that they matter more so than just their final grade matters. Oh, you guys speak in the language, speak in the language. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, as I think about um, you two both working with adults, you know, um, so you work with adults and try and help adults kind of get through their own fear and barrier that these kids on the other you know, want to connect and I think sometimes you know our own fear makes us maybe be a little bit back you know like move ourselves back and not be vulnerable like you're both talking about that vulnerability as adults that we have to share you know in order to make those connections with kids you know like you know Christina hearing about your son and his hockey and you know that you know he, he wants to be faster than the fastest skater, you know, it's like so cool. And he's, cha- he's challenging that. And, but to hear, you know, that you're out there with your son and that you're, you know, traveling and, and doing things. I mean, I think kids just open up, you know, and Lauren, you talk about, you know, like, oh, it's my kid's birthday today. And, 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 you know, Robert gets a little shout out from your high school kids. You know, those are the things that sometimes happen in a brick and mortar school that I think some people think like, oh, I got to get in this course and just like, okay, down to business, you know? And I feel like, you know, at the start of when I started working with the world of learning, like a long time ago, I, I used to say to people, wait a minute, like, what do you know about these kids? Like, it's got to be the same thing. So you both work with those adults. How do you help break those barriers for those adults who are all worried about getting their content in? So I've actually seen a lot of our teachers will open up their Zoom room about five minutes early and let the kids just chat. And the kids will then be like, can you open it a little bit earlier? Can you do this? Or they'll set a timer at the beginning and let the kids just get started. Um, and have that little debrief. Um, and I think you can also let them weigh in on class norms and culture, just like you would in a traditional bricks and mortar classroom. Uh, you know, what do they want to get out of the class? I think them having a voice is huge and knowing that it's their class. It's not, you know, a lecture class. Um, and sometimes that's hard, especially trying new things and, you know, letting the kids draw on the whiteboard. Um, or I don't know if they're capable of reacting in a certain way. And if you continue with that, then you're never going to know if they're capable because you're constantly afraid of what they're, what could go wrong rather than 
what could go right and what could be amazing. Um, I think it's that keep trying and that piece of saying, hey, this is something new. We're going to learn this together. I said that so many times when I was a teacher myself. I was like, all right, this is a new tool. I've never used this before. Let's see how it works. Um, and then when I was designing, um, I couldn't find videos that I that I liked to put in my course. Um, it was applied geometry. So it was a little bit different than our standard geometry content, a little bit more hands-on. And we had just put in some studio equipment in some of our offices. So I packed up and went to an office that had the studio equipment and hopped in front of a green screen. And I made ridiculous videos of me pretending to jump into a scale model and get shrunk down or (laughs) um, pretending to walk through the desert with the pyramids. Um, So much so that kids in the class with the other teacher, when they got to those videos, would then ask, what's Mrs. Jackson doing today? Or they would point out where I had a terrible piece of editing. Um, But it was something they were looking forward to. Um, Not something they were negatively criticizing, but something that they were like, hey, what's going to happen next? And so I think when you take those chances and then see that connection that's built, then it makes it a little bit easier to continue to be vulnerable for those kids because then they're, they're, they're connecting because they don't feel as stressed. So much of what you're saying is resonating with me because I, that was always my approach is just keep it weird, keep it interesting, right? Because when you can laugh at yourself and just put yourself out there that, you know, you're goofy too, and that you're, you know, using humor as a way to connect with students. Um, I just love that. And I do, you know, when, when I'm working with teachers and, and, and they're coming across problems or things getting in the way of students, um, you know, whether it be handing in work or participating in live sessions, um, I just try to remind them to stay curious, you know, and, and, and to not take it personally, you know, what's getting in the way? Um, how can we help that student overcome that issue, you know? Um, and sometimes it's not always, you know, no matter what you're doing, it just might not be the time for that student right now that French is their focus right now, you know, or that that's like the end all be all for them right now. Maybe they're struggling with mental health issues. Maybe they're struggling with family issues. And so really that human connection, going back to it, knowing that you care about them as a person is going to be way more important than you caring about their French grade. You know, um, I just think that that is, is what it comes down to. I've had so many of those conversations too, where I'm like, okay, I know that I should be telling you, Hey, work on this course. Um, but I, I find myself saying, but I, I can't tell you that right now because this is what the important piece is. And I've had to come back around where kids are like, thank you for caring about my health first, or, you know, thank you for recognizing. And it took me a little bit at first, um, to realize, uh, when I first started teaching to realize that school wasn't the focus for all of these kids, especially those that we come across in the, in the online setting. Um, they might have a full-time job uh, at that secondary level. They might be supporting brothers and sisters during the day to get their schoolwork done and their work takes the back burner. They may have kids of their own. Um, we did a poverty simulation a few years back that was that really resonated hard. I still talk about it um, as one of the bigger impactors of how I approach those conversations. But um, I think that that recognizing like, hey, this might not be the time for this, but how do we get you to the next step? is huge for kids because just because you're used to a a life a certain way doesn't mean that's how their life is going. So just being open to listening to them and that, that understanding their barriers and that it's not necessarily the course, like you said, Lauren, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fortunate to have two of you, like, just have that perspective. I mean, I've been in education a long time, and, and really I, I think that's probably one of the biggest factors is that so many of us assume that everybody has what we have. You know, um, you know, I'm white, middle class, and, you know, while I, um, you know, may have things that make me different, I'm more in that normative, you know, that I don't have to worry about where my next meal's coming from, or, you know, I had, I had loving parents, I had, you know, people who didn't have, you know, those traumas, and I think, you know, especially since the pandemic, I think those, the increase in trauma you know, for our adults who are in the classroom as well as for the kids. And, you know, so how do we help everybody kind of show up and say, you know what, we're going to learn as much as we can and we're going to do the best we can. But I think if we learn kindness, if we learn to be generous with each other, you know, I had, um, I was at a keynote and one of my friends was giving about a month ago and, and she said, there is no irreversible learning loss like it's not biologically possible right like there you know like maybe you were learning different things during the pandemic because you weren't in your traditional school setting but maybe you learned to help your neighbor buy groceries because they were too old to go out for them or maybe you helped get one of your grandparents to their to get a vaccine or you know maybe you called them on the phone more often or you you know, did a video chat, you taught your grandparents how to use the technology, you know, like, I think there were so many more assets going on. And it's not rather than looking at deficits, which I think you two just highlighted, well, like, what are the assets that kids have? And if they feel that compassion, it's not going to make them feel like learning is a bad thing. You know, and I think sometimes I feel bad for people in the brick and mortar setting because they're kind of a focal point in communities and they've, they've had so much pressure put on them, you know, and I think teachers especially have had a lot of pressure, teachers and administrators alike, um, from the communities about what this education should be and how it should look. And some people, you know, don't understand that there's more tools and maybe more stresses and, So it's so good to hear you guys talk about those assets and seeing, you know, the positive in the kids and getting to know them and all the things about them. Um, So it's just really exciting. It's just exciting to talk to you guys and know that the future of education has people who are, you know, generous and kind and helping your peers see that. Um, So I'm excited. I'm really excited. So um, what else, what else do you guys want to add before we end here? Any like, Pearls or nuggets of wisdom before we um, close up for today. Sure, I'll just share that. You know, I think that you know, going back to what we said about, um, you know, if you're feeling like you're needing to reach out, to, you're feeling like your courses could use some more oomph, or you're feeling like, how do I reach these students? Is just, you know, try to bring things that you love to the classroom each day. So if sports is your thing. You know, I'm talking in the language context here. You could say in calculus, you know, do math problems that have that are that apply really to, you know, I don't know, statistics, baseball stuff, right? <laughs> I'm not a big sports person. <laughs> For me, food is my thing, right? So if I was feeling in a rut, I would create an activity that I was pumped to do, you know, even if there's just one student doing it with me, hey, that's a win because somebody's doing this with me, right? Um, looking at recipes, cooking videos, talking about the verbs that you use to talk about cooking, um, 
you know, if you, if all you impart to kids that day is that here's just somebody doing something that they love, you know, like seeing your excitement that, you know, they'll find something out there. If you're just being a role model for like, this is how I live my life. I'm excited. I'm here. I'm teaching and I'm loving it. Um, I think that just even walking away with that is, is, is a gift. So I think that, you know, focusing on what you like and what you love and just sharing that with kids is, is the best you can do. That's awesome. And I am going to piggyback on sharing, but more so with um, other teachers. I was recently reading um, over my beach vacation. I took some light educational reading with me and was reading um, engagement is not a unicorn. It's a narwhal. Um, And there was a piece in it where a lot of times when we take things we are having all the best intentions to go and use them um, or imply them in our classrooms or share them with somebody else but a lot of times we just don't Um, so finding that accountability partner in a teacher or another administrator or someone that you can say hey here's what I've been learning here's here's what I want to do help me enact it or hey do you think we could do this in the classroom or can you come lend me a hand I need an extra person to do that or I had this really great lesson I want to show up with you Um, and being able to find somebody to share with because sharing what you're doing may spark their ideas, um, and may make them more vulnerable to share something back with you. Um, we always joke, uh, that we prefer teachers share with teachers, um, over the other version. Um, and (laughs) we really see it here a lot. Our teachers have access to everybody else's recordings, Uh, I know our designers watch our teachers recording so that they know what's going on in the classroom, how the intention of what we design is actually implemented and then the impact that it has. Um, So I think that that's a big thing is, you know, not only sharing your excitement with your, your students to get them excited, but with your, with your peers, with your colleagues um, to keep them excited in their classrooms and to know, Hey, there's other things that, that can be done. I love that so much. Yeah, talking about <laughs> lifting, lifting each other up. Um, and Christina, we are so glad we get to work with you at the World of Learning. Um, you know, CCA has, like we said, has been a great partner. And, and I think what we're able to do for kids, it just, it always feels good um, to have a reach and to provide them something that they may not, not otherwise have had, you know, like in the case of Arabic and Japanese and things like that, you know, um, you know, and to take languages up to whatever level they're capable, you know, like, you know, we get some kids who maybe make it almost all the way to five because they just love it, you know, in a, and those students that advocate for themselves to get that level five offered, um, which we had done this past year, we had not offered level five in anything before. And this year we had, I think three students finished Spanish five, Mm -hmm. um, all because one said, Hey, can you offer anything else? They were really passionate, um, with your program. So it's awesome opportunities. Yeah. And it, and it, you know, it makes our people feel good that the kids want to come back, you know? So if it's three kids, we're going to take those three kids on. And sometimes it's not easy, but, um, I know Ashley was really appreciative. She loved those kids. You know, she had watched them all through, through, through their high school experience, which is also good for us, but yeah, it was a great, it was a great relationship to see for him and her excitement too. It was awesome to see for through her emails. Yeah. So life is so good. Life is good in these partnerships. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. Um, Thank you both for joining me today. And um, thank you. 
Yeah, so we are the World of Learning. We do this every day. Uh, you can find us on the World of Learning Institute.com. Uh, that's our webpage, or you can uh, subscribe to our Substack newsletter, and that's patmulroy.substack.com. And we'll have all that in the recording, so you can find that on our show notes. I hope you both have a great day. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, Pat. So glad to have you here.